Hey, welcome to Slashers and Spirits, a horror movie podcast. In this show, Kim and I show some of our favorite horror movies to AJ, who hated the genre until just recently. It's also tradition that we drink heavily throughout the process of watching the movie. I'm Aaron. I'm AJ. I'm Kim. And we're going to do this one a little differently. Um, a viewer of ours and close friend, Nick, said that it'd be a good idea for us to kind of check in before we watch the movie, kind of discuss what we know about the movie beforehand and go over some of the details. After we do this introduction, we'll cut straight to us uh, drinking afterwards uh, from right after we finish the movie, and we'll continue the show as normal from there. So we have not been drinking yet, so we'll drinking. kind of talk... <laughs> <laughs> I had a beer earlier, but I, I haven't been going at, at it. Well, should we... Let's cover what we're drinking first. What do we plan on drinking tonight? What's the goal? I'm drinking White Claws. Um, I'm one and a half in. Oh, shit. I started drinking before the podcast because I was doing homework and didn't want to think too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> to be completely honest. Love that. This is my study drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Aaron? I... Uh, Nick also knows that whenever I drink Jägermeister, I get weird. Um, it's just an, an odd, strange drunk. Oh my god, are you drinking So he Jaeger? got me. Yeah, I'm drinking Jäger. He got oh me a bunch god. of little shots of Jäger. So I have four mini Jäger shots that I'm going to take throughout this. That's wild. I'm Damn. so excited. That's like intense. That's Should wild. I have vodka now? I feel like you're going harder than the rest of us. Uh, this is this is my own road here. This <laughs> is right. the path I chose to walk. <laughs> you know what? Alone. <laughs> if you want to go on a solo mission, I respect it. Oh, uh, I, I like the support is appreciated, but you don't need to go down to my level here. <laughs> I did this to myself. I was Well, I'm definitely I'm not drinking Jaeger. Cuz <laughs> fuck that. Um and Kim's a quitter. <laughs> Kim is a quitter. <laughs> I have a headache, so I also had a headache, and I want you to know that I've had a headache all day, and that I made the choice to take three Advil so I could get drunk on this podcast. (laughs) You're not supposed to make pills with alcohol. Advil's fine. I mean, I'm I'm not not doing that. I'm not a medical professional. I can't vouch for that. Yeah, I've I've done it before. It's fine. That doesn't mean I've that it's realized. a good choice just because you <laughs> I can do crack and then drink alcohol. It doesn't mean it's a good choice because it worked out once. I mean. Can we cut out just I can do crack? <laughs> Have that keep repeating. I can do crack. <laughs> I can do crack. Um. <laughs> Fuck. No, but yeah, I had a lot of coffee. I had a super sweet coffee and I got a sugar rush and now I have a headache. And the thing with alcohol is, like, the ones that I have in my fridge anyway, it's kind of sugary. So having more sugar on top of that is just not a good idea. So I'm drinking water. Just, so so that's why you quit. It's fine. But, yeah. but I can put my water in one of the martini glasses I have so it looks like I'm drinking <laughs> alcohol. For who? Oh, my God. Can you please? For Actually, I do that sometimes. I literally fill my martini glass with water and I drink it when I make, like, my charcuterie boards. So that way I feel fancy. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That's I love that so much. Way too extra. Yeah, I I love drinking out of my martini glass. I feel like I'm like a fancy bitch at like a bar. Like I'm double you know seven. Really want right now? I want an espresso martini. I fucking love espresso martinis. Ugh. They're so good. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. How I'm imagining Kim making a charcuterie board, drinking water, like pretending to get drunk as like the person she's lured 
<laughs> to her place is drinking actual alcohol <laughs> and drunk as she's like reaching for the knife taped underneath the, <laughs> the, the living room table you know she's like oh you want it's more that scene yeah it's like it's like the scene from american psycho or like the person sitting on newspaper and they have no idea what's coming yeah what a vibe. i've seen that movie <laughs> what a vibe yeah honestly what a vibe i just finished watching you season three Ugh, um I hate that show and i love love and I will not retract that statement because she's a killer. I love her. You love love. Her name is, is that love. Her name? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just saying that you like love love, and so that's why. You're oh no 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 no. Show like it's a her name is love. No. Got it. And I love her. I don't know why you're so so confused, AJ. You're always saying love is love. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like that. Not, the thing is, is like that had a good reaction, but I don't feel good about it. Like, I, got, I got no satisfaction from that joke for some reason. That didn't do anything for me. I don't know why. I felt like a dad joke. Like, <laughs> I'm glad it worked though. Um, all right. Well, so it turns out when we do these podcasts that it's not alcohol that makes us talk about random shit for the first 10 minutes. No, it, it's it's just, just it's just us. It's just <laughs> personalities. Our podcast is very accurate portrayals of us just hanging out together. Yeah, I mean that's all we used to just do this on a couch, and now we do it with microphones. That's yeah. that's about it. It's all really on separate couches. At least I'm on a couch. I don't. I'm on a desk. I'm yeah, I'm at a desk as well. My desk is uh, get on a desk. That's the uh, the vibe's not going to be right until we're all. I don't want to sit on way. the desk. The desk is and, comfy. I sit there all the time. And while we're at it, I think we should replicate like exactly. So we're sitting similarly, so we have this experience. And I think you should all also go get Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We'll, I think Jaeger. better yet. I think Nick needs to drive to each of our individual houses and bring us all Jaeger, and then I'll drink it. Hmm. If, he, if he thought it was funny enough, he'd do it. I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't want at all to talk about Halloween kills. I, I really don't. Okay. I do want to give, I mean, like, I don't personally. I would love to see if you guys have changed your thoughts on it. I still think it's abysmal. But it's interesting that they're going to have an alternate ending and an extended, I think, like, extra 15 minutes, it said, or some shit. Now, making what? that movie longer, longer is not the goal I wanted. No. Yeah, it should have been cut down. But I'm interested about that alternate ending, and I will skip to the end of... Uh, a movie rental for that to see <laughs> at some point yeah i want to see the alternate ending as well yeah i probably won't sit through the whole thing i'll fast forward through all like the boring parts but i do want to see yeah. the kills again i'll probably just make like little routine stops here and there and then go to the end it seems like we all want the same things out of the movie so maybe we'll do it together not, not an episode but just we'll rent fun. it yeah we'll just skip yeah. through you know the whole hospital portion <laughs> has it grown on you at all either of you no no, I haven't really like honestly heard much about it or thought much about it to be honest. I almost I will listened say this. To a, oh, go ahead. I almost listened to a podcast about it, but then I was like, I'd have to relive it, and I don't really want to. So then I didn't. Yeah, I I, I kind of feel the same way. I thought that would be the worst movie I was excited to see, like as far like the the biggest letdown I'd expect this year. But that new Resident Evil movie is unwatchable. I haven't it is, seen is it really. Do- Oh, like I, I turned to Molly and asked to leave multiple times. I it, it's. I don't think I've seen a movie I've enjoyed less. So it may. I, the first review I had to instill the seriousness in when I messaged a separate group chat about it is I said, um, "Resident Evil was so bad it makes Halloween Kills look like an Oscar winner," and oh, that shit. was what like that's what that's that was their reaction. They were like, "Fuck, that's saying a lot." <laughs> 
Big wild. Damn. Big rough. But that's where Halloween Kills sits for me, is it's a comparison to say, I have extreme feelings about a movie by talking about how terrible it is. Well, all right, let's, um, this week it was Kim's turn to pick the movie, so do you want to introduce us, Kim? Wait. Oh, again? <laughs> Should I go first, since I don't know anything about the movie? Well, I'm just well, saying the title. Well, say what the movie is first. We, ha- we haven't Oh, I thought you- she was going to go into, like, the description about why she wanted to pick the movie. Oh. Okay, well, let's just introduce the movie. Okay. Say what we want, and then, like, give the <laughs> basics, and then we'll- we can go into it. Okay. It's Train of Busan. <laughs> <laughs> We've been leading up to this moment for how long? I chose Train to Busan. In the way you said that now, it means that all, all the of it has said to stay in. It has to be in now. No, it has no. To be in. We'll yeah. redo it. We'll redo it. No, I think we should keep it in. It's, it's already been set in motion. Now, no. Now, now we're here. All right, Train to Busan. Train to Busan. Yes. That is the movie that I chose. It's a Korean horror movie. <laughs> I'll get to the specifics of it later. What do you know about Train to Busan? Off the top of your head here. The only thing I knew about it before was that it wasn't an American movie. And then you guys told me it was a Korean movie. So then I knew that. And that's all I got. I know nothing. I'm assuming there's a train, but I'm not positive (laughs) about that. Um, I'm assuming there's a death. But I also said something about that. And you guys were like, that'd be hard to say in this movie. So that might not be true. Um... I'm scared because it's a Kim movie, so that normally means it's very scary. <laughs> I've heard of this movie. I just haven't heard anything about it because by the when I heard about it, I was not interested in figuring out anything else about horror movies. So that's all I got. I love that she was willing to accept the possibility of the train being like a metaphor, <laughs> right? Like a hypothetical train. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to Busan, but you know, maybe it won't. Busan might be a state of mind. Yeah. I'm not sure. It might not Busan be. Busan is a city and a state of mind. So <laughs> I love that. Oh shit. Um do you wanna talk some about the production and whatnot? Uh sure. It was made in two thousand and sixteen in Korea. It was streamed in the US, I believe, in 2017. I think there was like a big gap in between the release dates. I could be wrong about that, but the dates do vary between 2016 and streaming 2017. So it could just be that it was placed on streaming sites a year later, or it was placed in the US streaming sites a year later. I can't 100% uh, find the accuracy of that, but it was made and released in Korea in 2016. It's an hour and 58 minutes long. So it is a pretty long movie. Um, although entertaining, I will say you do feel that hour and 58 minutes at times, but not in a bad way. I'll preface it as that. It is a horror slash action movie, so it's a little bit of both. And as far as what the internet told me, it's not rated. Now, I don't know if that's because it is a Korean thing of how they put their movies, but in terms of it in the US, it is not rated. Although I, think I would think it would be more than likely in our rating if anything to be honest i think it's because it was released in the u.s like exclusively as a streamer mm. i think it, it came to netflix and shutter yeah i think yeah um, i think that's i think that's it that's I'm where sure i saw it netflix. was on netflix i agree i'm pretty sure that's probably why yeah i think it, it, that's the cool thing about streamers is they don't need to have get like mpa ratings i am um it was but yeah it was directed by, and I'm going to preface this now because we're going to do this throughout the entire podcast. 
Um, I am not Korean, so pronouncing <laughs> Korean names is a bit difficult for me and everyone else here. So I will be doing my best to keep the pronunciations as accurate as possible, but also consistent. And I have them written down, so if I fuck up, it's because I can't read. Um, it was directed by Sang Ho Yon, and if that is incorrect, apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think you Mr. Sang Ho Yon. High by saying I'm going to try to keep them as accurate. Yeah. As possible. <laughs> uh, the expectation should be these are going to be wildly inaccurate, and if we ever get close to it, I want you to give us all, all a good pat on the back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you're proud of us. So we are doing our best. Yes. But an incredible director. Um, I think he did a great job in this movie. <sighs> Let's get into the cast and character names. Again, bear with me. I'm doing my best here. So it stars Gong Yu, who plays Seok Woo. Um, he is pretty well known in terms of K-dramas. I'm in love with him. And um, he's one of like the reasons why I saw this movie was because I saw he was in it. <laughs> I really wanted to see it because he was in it. Um, he was also recently in the show Squid Games, so if anyone watched that, mm. one of the more recent no. Korean movies that was brought to the U.S. on Netflix, he is a small part of that, but he's a character a lot of people recognize. But he is most well-known for this movie and for his role in some of the Korean dramas that he starred in before. It also stars Don Lee, who plays Sang Hwa. Um, Don Lee, I believe, was just in The Eternals, the Marvel movie. I believe that was him. Mm. He's also done some other Korean movie works as well. It'll... You named two things I've wanted to see in the past month that I failed to see. <laughs> Eternals was pretty good. I kind of liked it. It was a vibe. He's a great actor. I really liked Don Lee. Um, it also stars... Okay. <laughs> Here's what gets a bit difficult. Kim Wee Song, who plays Yeon Suk-gu. Choi Woo Sheik, who plays Yong Guk. And So Hee, who plays Jin Hee. Now... <laughs> that might not even be close to what either of the names are, but that is what I am going with. And I apologize, Gong Yu, if you ever see this. I'm sorry and I love you. <laughs> and to everyone else, I apologize. But that is the best that I can do. We did Google search pronunciations, but it, it it's still not going to come naturally from either of our mouths. So. We did like a good half hour's worth of research. Yeah, yeah, we really did. All agreeing on how to say it. We tried. We we really tried, but expect nothing. No, yeah. <laughs> I I can't even speak Spanish, and I've grown up around it my whole entire life. I've lived with multiple people who spoke fluent Spanish who tried to teach it to me. I can't pronounce anything, so I'm definitely not going to well, be able to pronounce any of this. Well, the movie we're going to watch next week is all in Spanish. So <laughs> prepare yourself. <laughs> It tastes like Yeah, Korean's pretty no, different. I'm trying joke. to learn Japanese right now in between everything else. It's not working out that well, I'm gonna tell you that right now. Yeah, but like a that's, lot of work. that's some ammo you've given us here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Japanese and Korean are very different, so pronunciation and like inflection is like different, so I, I'm <laughs> probably not gonna pronounce any of these things correctly. But Yes, that was the cast and their roles. Hopefully, hopefully, that's pretty close as it gets. This is a Korean movie, like I said, but one of the big reasons why this movie became a big hot topic of discussion was because there was and still is talks about recreating this movie into an American version, which to me is disgusting. And I will die on that hill. It's confirmed and they announced the title like three days ago. Yeah, to me, it's honestly... 
and I, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to rant now, if I rant later, but I find that to be very discouraging and very gross because this movie is not, it does not have to be remade, in my personal opinion. People, there's subtitles. The movie, and we'll, we'll get into this probably later once everyone kind of kind of yeah. sees, you know, the context of the movie, but I do not think that the U.S. movies have to be consumable by the U.S. in terms of making it American. I don't think we have think to change it to, like, train to San Diego for people to understand. It is called Last Train to New York. That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I don't think... I think this is something that was done in, like, the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Because distribution was harder. But in the time where a movie can be streamed across the world and get massive acclaim despite being only a streamer and a different like i don't think it's necessary anymore i don't think so either yeah the ring is a perfect example is a perfect example same with the grudge of movies that are based in japan japanese movies and it gets americanized and it's like 10 times worse and duller yeah and i have no (laughs) i know that this movie this americanized movie is going to be very dull in comparison because it's great acting. I mean, I watched it and I understood everything because there's subtitles because I can read. So I don't really understand the need to change locations, change cast, make it into a, let's be honest, full white cast, probably Americanized names and then an Americanized city when it's going to be copy and paste and it's going to be taking the same exact credits that this movie did. Like, I don't know. I, I find it's kind of like stealing in a way this movie did so much in terms of plot and relevancy not just in america but also like in korean horror it's a really great movie and they're just gonna take it and slap on some names and change it yeah i think it's already pretty screwed people are already pretty unhappy about it but we should um we should we should watch it we should get into it before we get too too into discussion yeah post movie okay so um oh by the way i never mentioned it i've heard i've not seen this movie i've heard of it um, oh. the things I know about it, I don't want to say quite yet because they're like kind of spoilery, mm. but, um, uh, yeah. Um, we will talk again in two hours. <laughs> we're going to, uh, we'll resume the podcast then. All right. And we're back after one hell of a movie. Jesus. That was, uh, that was a lot to go through. Um, I certainly yes. loved the hell out of it in all honesty. Yeah. AJ. I, yeah. That was a roller coaster. I found myself saying I hated it just because it was continuing to happen and I wanted the characters to live, so I wanted <laughs> it to be over. Um, but it was really incredible. Like, it was shockingly incredible and emotionally exhausting and beautiful and smart and well done. And yeah, it was wonderful. I think after coming off of Halloween Kills, it's just a testament to how much like uh, having good characters gets you through a movie because yes. that movie had almost no real action scenes in it it has almost no gore it has I mean, there's not a sharp object that is utilized in the movie there's not a gun that is fired into anybody in that movie and these are all zombie movie things are just are just about like unheard of um so molly just gave me a water because she knows how much alcohol i drink so uh shout out to molly. <laughs> yeah how much sugar did you actually drink uh i had the uh the mini bottles and then i had two beers uh i'm good though oh okay um i'm telling those mini bottles are tiny but you know i went through them um i do feel the the, the weird jaeger drunk just a little bit but yeah uh the movie doesn't have crazy over-the-top action it has some great shots where like i mean don't get me wrong the trains explode and everything and 
there are zombies busting through windows there like all the time. There is a train. There is a train. I there is a train say, to Busan. There is a train. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually lots of trains. Which there I'm were... not a big fan of trains, so you know, me liking this movie is kind of a big deal. Really? Trains are a deal breaker in movies for you? No, trains are a deal breaker in board games for me. Um mm, Ticket to Ride, not a fan? Yeah, no. Don't mm. tell my sister though, because she bought it for me for Christmas. Oh um, shit. Yeah. Um, this I think the characters carry this movie, and it's just a testament to how much you need to give a shit about your characters. You can't skate through on nothing, and um, yeah, it really it really stands out. And I'm kind of with Kim on being offended that there's going to be an American remake of this soon because it really doesn't need it, and it's it really, it's really powerful. Kim, did you have any insights on watching? I don't. How many times have you seen this movie, Kim? I only saw it once, and I wasn't oh, really? even going to watch it. I was looking for, as I wanted to do a zombie movie. That was, like, mm-hmm. my plan for this pick. I've been looking, and I literally rewatched, like, any zombie movie I can get my hands on. I saw Resident Evil. I rewatched 28 Days Later. I rewatched Night of the Living Dead. Like, I started looking into, like, uh, I saw, Wait, like, which night? a German film. <laughs> which Night of the Living Dead? The original. Okay. I thought you were just asking which night to be. No. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I I love the um I love the oh, man, I think it's not it, it might be early 90s but the the Tom Savini Night of the Living Dead. I the love Dawn? That so much. No, Dawn. Night the Or the the remake the 2000 Is it 2000? There's oh, a I'm lot. Romero made a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. But I was going through like some of my favorite zombie movies and I was like scoping through to see I found, like, I think it was, like, a German, or it was French. It was a French zombie movie. I was trying to go through, you know, different genres, different countries, my favorite, personal favorites, the iconic ones. And then this one just happened to be on Netflix at the time. And I didn't want to watch it just because I was like, oh, it's Korean. I'm not going to know what the fuck they're saying. (laughs) But I heard people talk about it. And then on a whim one night, I was like, all right, let's just watch it. I like zombies. Zombies are pretty consumable. Mm. You know, it's action, never boring. Lots of blood and guts. Got it. And honestly, I, again, I really love this movie. So I only watched it the one time, but that's because they took it off Netflix. Fuck you, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't watch it again without buying it, you know, or finding it, it through other means. It's also not a casual watch. It's it's a little too long to be like a quick background horror movie that you yeah. watch a bunch of times. I, th- I think the, the length gets through it. AJ, did you have any idea this was going to be a zombie movie? Uh, no. I guess five minutes ago in the podcast but two and a half hours ago in real life no i had no idea it was gonna be a zombie movie i figured it out in the beginning when the deer gets kit and then comes back up i made yeah. a note it's the only note i made the whole thing where i was like maybe a zombie movie and then i was too involved to make any more notes yeah it's interesting that they set the precedent of having that zombie deer within the first couple of minutes and there was never any other zombie animals throughout it i think it was still effective but usually when you do that it means there's going to be some sort of zombie animal later, you know? Yeah. I forgot that there would be zombie animals. That's This is kind of a terrifying reality. Like, I really... Mm-hmm. Of all the zombie lives that I could live where there's a zombie apocalypse, this one is, like, the lowest. Like, I really don't want this one to happen. Because this one seems to be, like, the most fucked up of any of the ones I've seen. <laughs> what is yeah. your preference of <laughs> zombie apocalypse? Like, to they're all fair, bad. The only ones I've seen is Zombieland. <laughs> Oh my god. Zombieland's runner zombies too, though. Oh my god, Molly. That's true. (laughs) She's probably a second water. (laughs) 
but they're they're not bottles. They're Lacroix because I drink sparkling water. Like I just I'm obsessed. So she, I, <laughs> so she's opened two now that are full next to me. Um, yeah, Zombieland has running zombies too, and I had mentioned it a couple of times when we were watching this, but I don't think like Romero zombies or Walking Dead zombies would really like take over the world the way they do in like those movies and shows. I think they're too slow and they're too stupid, and they'd certainly kill a lot of people, but like eventually a good amount of people would be like, just no, <laughs> you know, you know. Does yeah, that make I mean, sense? it's interesting when you look at the different types of zombies, like the walkers, the runners, the biters, the scratchers, the screamers, like all the different subgenres of like zombies and how people like have created different forms of zombies, but how effective they work within whatever world they create. Honestly, the runners are the scariest ones, but also I went through a whole thing where I was like, the runner zombies are kind of the cheap zombies because obviously I'm not going to outrun any bitch. I have bad knees. <laughs> I'm out. There's no way I can survive that. Whereas the walker zombies, like Romero zombies, it's not really about necessarily outrunning. It's more so rebuilding a life around something like this and survival in a slow burn type mm. of way instead of an adrenaline type of way that the runner zombies kind of which i believe 28 days later was like the first movie that really revolutionized um runners for the first time it's really interesting too i'm not certain on that but i i I think when i think of runners i think of 28 days later i'm pretty sure it was video that i watched that one time at that con the con thing that aaron took me to said that 28 days later was the first running song. oh yeah, was I believe, it yeah i believe so and it was it was made in 2002 i believe and since then the majority of you know zombies have been runners for the most part or screamers um, which also freaks me out because why are you screaming like that oh Don't like i'm that. pretty anti-runner i i'm i'm pretty much a purist where i prefer the romero zombie the little walkers yeah, I prefer the the shambling, slow but strong in numbers like type of thing. That's my preferred zombie movie or zombie type. The other zombie movie that I've seen is Warm Bodies. Oh my god, AJ, that's so, what that's the so fuck on brand. I know. I actually almost read that book. Oh my god, it's so on brand. <laughs> yeah, I have a brand. I'm very authentic. <laughs> but yeah, I, I almost value. did 28 okay. Days Later. <laughs> 28 Days Later was almost my pick, but I thought there was a couple of things in there I thought was kind of a bit uncomfortable, so I was like, I don't want to watch that. You told me you wanted to watch a zombie movie, and I did not expect Train to Busan because I guess we should we could be open about the fact that we haven't recorded in like a month and a half. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, um, we've pretty much eaten through our entire like backlog of podcasts we had recorded. Um, so when you dropped uh, Train to Busan, I was pretty surprised because I, I knew it was a zombie movie. I knew it was sad. And that's about it. Um, I knew none of that. And I knew it was good. I, I knew everyone pretty much loved it. Um, and I, I think I think it literally lives up to the praise. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big fan. I think we can all kind of say it's a little long, though. Right? Oh, that... yeah. It's definitely a long. It's a long it's movie, long. but it's not wasteful. And it's time. No. Yes. I have no idea where I'd trim the fat, but it could have lost 15 minutes, I think. I um, think they do such a good job with the characters that it makes it hard to trim it down. Because yeah. you feel like you would lose some of the character development if you did that. Yeah. Because, like, most of this movie is them fighting off zombies or running away from zombies or something like that. And so, like, you can remove some level of that, you know? Like, it's not going to kill it if it's like, oh, this one train scene where there were zombies everywhere. Like, oh, I removed that. 
but it's about the journey of the characters. Mm-hmm. And so if you remove that, then you take away part of their journey and that's what you would lose. If I, 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 I'm almost never the person to say this cause I don't want mindless action for action's sake, but I do wish there was a bit more gore and a bit more action to some degree. I'm not saying I was like, like it was hurt by it, but I would have liked to have seen somebody have like a knife and stab the hell out of a couple of them or like something. Um, See, I think it's also Korea. Like in in some oh, of their shows totally and their movies, that. they censor things like that. Yeah. So like one of the shows I'm watching, the knife has to be like kind of censored because they're not really allowed to show that. So I think that's yeah. also part of the reason why they use like blunt objects. Also, I mean, it'd be unrealistic to bring like a whole ass knife with you on a train unless you're like going you're hunting or something. But I'm pretty sure um, it's partially due to that as well. I don't think I, I they can show a lot of that. I, I'm I'm almost certain it's the, it's the censorship because I'm not necessarily saying I want them to go on with like knives. It'd be more like an umbrella going through an eyeball yeah, or, yeah, you know, okay. like like a couple more creative ways to have because the fact that nobody's armed and nobody has a ton of weaponry is what kind of makes the movie intriguing, but there is a lot of times where they beat zombies with a baseball bat or there, there's certainly times where they kill zombies and I would have liked for that to be a bit more visually interesting, you know? See, um, but I don't think that they actually kill the zombies. I yeah, think they just bat the zombies away. Then I could it, have done done with some zombie death. <laughs> then, then I'll put it that way too. You but know? I think these zombies can't die. Well, we're not sure because you know it, yeah. the whole folklore of like zombies is like oh shoot them through the head was one of the things that we kind of got from like I want to say it was the older Romero movies. Like, that's uh, that's Night one. of the Living Dead stuff. Yeah, right there. That's, shooting that's the, the head, the, the brainstem. Romero zombie. Yeah, but I don't think this one focuses too much on creating a sort of mythology behind them. They have a uniqueness to their zombies, but I don't really think they want to go. They were intending to go into like you have to decapitate their head and put on a stick and then throw some water on it and that's how it dies like i don't think they were trying to really build that much of a mythology no. it was more so like yeah they're alive i mean that deer got hit by a car and he bounced right yeah. back up yeah so people like jumped out of buildings like no one was decapitated mm-hmm. per se but yeah i don't i don't think they ever really got into how to kill and or cure um these zombies I think what it was too is even if there was no action and it was like a survival movie the whole time, that'd be okay. I think it was more the fact that they had dedicated like zombie ass kicking scenes Mm -hmm. and they didn't quite deliver the punch I wanted them to. You know, like if you are going to have a zombie ass kicking uh, scene, I do want a bit more in like the violence department, I guess. But I'm complaining about a portion of a movie that I absolutely believe is still an A. So I have, uh, this is, these are small gripes here, you know? I think and we're I just think... used to that for zombie films. Yeah. Like I'm used to them like eating like the innards, like taking out intestines and that's exactly. what we see. Like that's kind of what I'm used to too. And this is pretty tame in comparison. There's a lot of like orange blood too. I'm not sure if you guys noticed that. There wasn't like a no. whole lot of like deep crimson red mm. blood and a lot of like orange puddles and stuff. Um, I think... That's something maybe the American version could contribute to. I'm not saying that I'm pro the American version or that it like should exist, but it'd be interesting to see if they armed people slightly and we got a little bit more gore for it. I'd be interested in that. 
I think fully the American version is going to have everybody have AR-15s and just go insane, and I think it's going to be awful. But yeah. if there was, like, a police officer or somebody that had, like, a handgun on board that could do something or somebody had some kind of sharp object, even if it's a broken bottle or something, that's, like, the one thing this movie was potentially lacking for me. I just feel like there's so much room and creativity to work with zombies. I mean, we've seen, like, the different settings that zombies have taken place in the mall, a town, a jail cell. Like, there's so many different settings, and all you really have to do is just this location, zombies, and you make your plot what you want. So I just never understand just taking a movie and just, like, slapping on a new place in America and calling it a new movie. Like, I would prefer maybe taking concepts of it. Oh, they're on a train. And that's what they kind of build off on, zombies in a train. But to just take this movie as a blueprint and then just like add on to it, not even adding on to it, just Americanizing it, it just seems kind of like lame to me. It does, it's even worse than remakes. Like when they make like remakes of like old slashers or old horror movies, I hate that. But this is even worse because it's just like essentially going to be like whitewashing or American washing, which is really just fucking... <laughs> it to me it's just it's why what is the point yeah. of it aj what's your experience with zombie movies is this one of your first is uh, you, you said you said zombie land and warm bodies, warm bodies. is that it <laughs> yeah that's really it yeah you watched <laughs> I've a couple the episodes of the land. walking dead you hadn't seen no any of that oh, that second zombie land was rough <laughs> yes yes it wow. was um, that's interesting for this to be one of your first zombie movies yeah. yeah i i mean i've always known about them um like my best friend in high school was really into um walking dead and my sister was super into walking dead so like i've seen clips of it but i have like some concept of what it's about but it's probably not right um mm-hmm. yeah no i just i don't i don't watch scary movies so i don't watch zombie movies i mean fair enough shit the brand it's strong <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of pretty cool zombie movies out there. Yeah. Um, it it goes back like to like 1932, I think. Like I think White Zombie was the first one, but it was like a I think it took place in Haiti. Yeah, I think there's certainly like other Living Dead movies, but for me it starts with Night of the Living Dead with Romero creating the Romero zombie. Yeah, and his like legacy moving forward. Like he really he really went hard to create a lot of what we consider the zombies today. Which, I mean, I think is good and bad. I mean, I've seen people... I took a whole class, which is very nerdy of me, in college about, um, like, monsters and, like, horror and, like, literature and movies and whatnot. So we talked about the zombies. We talked about the vampire. We talked about Frankenstein, all that shit. But, like, the very first, like, folklore of zombies were... It was Haitian. And it was an allegory to, like... Well, people credit it as an allegory to, like, slavery in Haiti. And if you watch that movie, White Zombie, it's so different from the rest of, like, what we consider zombies to be now because they are supposed to represent slaves. And I think that, in a way, is a bit more disturbing if you look at it from that lens. And then we shift to Romero in, I forgot what his first movie was, 62, I don't remember, where now it's becoming, like, a virus thing. It's it's, now it tends to be a viral crisis as opposed to you know, some sort of, like, allegory to, like, enslaved people, which I, I think like, it's two different vibes, you know? Uh, zombie movies have a lot, have, are always pretty political in some way or another, mm-hmm. another. You wouldn't always think so, but 
I mean, um, a Dawn of the Dead. I mean, you talk about Dawn of the Dead, the Romero's Dawn of the Dead. That doesn't get much more iconic as a zombie movie than that. And that takes place in a mall to represent like mindless consumerism and, and everything. Yeah. So like inherently, zombie movies are typically political um, in some way. I'm not sure I got a whole lot of this in Train to Busan. I think there was certainly a lot of be a good person. But, yes. Uh, not not a whole lot of political message, and they could have gone a little farther. I know they did discuss like our main character is um he he's part of a financial firm or mm-hmm. a hedge fund or whatever, and they call him a bloodsucker and stuff, but not in any way that I thought was like anti capitalist or anything. I I think it was definitely more of like stereotyping, the way you'd stereotype a lawyer, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, I um, think it was a bit like individualistic versus collectivism and i think i mean a lot of korean stuff tends to be kind of like anti-capitalist in some way shape or form like squid games for example is a great um modern example of anti-capitalism within their storytelling but yeah i i believe having him and like that fucking asshole whose name i'm not remembering that one douchebag both being like businessmen yeah honestly the villain of the film he was in charge of like the train company or something like that yeah, he said he was the coo of some like train company or something right yeah. or yeah and having them both be like his mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah having them both be painted in negative light and you know in the beginning when we see that he works versus you know taking care of his child or building a relationship with his daughter i think was purposeful in having these characters because it could easily have been the other way Oh, he's a businessman, but he's a great father. They didn't have to, you know, put those two and two together. So I think it was purposeful, a bit underhanded. But yeah, I think overall it's very individualistic versus collectivism and a state of crisis kind of a theme. Should we you go know, into... Like, let's be kind to each other. Like Harry Styles said it, treat people with kindness. Oh, yeah. Should we yeah, go, we should into, go into some it. of yeah. the beginning there and kind of set, <laughs> yeah. up the, um, set up our main character? Um, our main character was um Siak Wu, right? Is it correct? That, that yes. Was, um, and he's our father character to um the little girl Suan. Suan. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm mispronouncing <laughs> names. Shit. Um, but uh, the movie it pretty much starts. It they don't need to explain shit. They don't need to go through the divorce process. They just explain that Suan wants to go see her mother. And she needs to take a train to Busan. She needs to take a train to Busan to see her mother on her birthday. But um, our main character, um, Siakwu, doesn't... He's busy. He clearly has a business job that he's obsessed with. And he says he can't... He won't let her go on the train alone. And he can't take her on the train because it's a very busy week for him it's a crucial period is the word they use the phrase they use and um eventually our main character's mother kind of convinces him like hey you need to be there for your daughter so he decides to take her onto the train but he's definitely intending it to be like a quick trip where he's like all right i'll take you to see your mom but then we're gonna go i'm gonna go back to work and i should be back by lunch or whatever and it definitely sets up very quickly and very efficiently i thought without dragging your feet forever the over the workaholic father that doesn't necessarily pay attention to the daughter despite the fact that he he clearly cares to some degree would you guys agree yeah. or i mean he wants custody he seems to care 
But he also is, yeah, like, I think he wants to, like, control the situation a little too much. Um, and is, like, focused too much on, like, I have to be the father for her. I don't want to lose her without realizing, like, that he needs to be there for her so he doesn't lose her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yep. it's more so prioritizing. I give her a roof over her head and stuff that she wants that should be enough versus yeah. being present in her life. Definitely. And I think that is kind of where the the issue with him, you know, whether he's a good father or not, I think comes in what he can provide. It's more so how well he treats and shows that he loves his daughter. So I think he loves her in his own way, but doesn't see past the fact that he gives her the basic necessities that she needs. And that's that should be enough. And I think he's very lost in his work. And the driving factor of him deciding to actually take her on the train and take time off of work to go and get her to her mother is that he missed her recital where she sang a song in in school at class. And they have a very sad video of her singing and stuttering and being sad at school. She kind of, I couldn't tell. It kind of felt like she was laughed at for messing it up. Yeah. But she then I feel like at. the I feel like the teacher kind of had them all applaud and wrap it up pretty quick. Like it was pretty yeah. well covered to like some degree. But um and I think that was kind of good because there's no way like in a lot of movies they'll have something like that happen and all the kids laugh and then like chant her name at her like loser, loser. <laughs> and I always see that shit and I'm like, no teacher on earth would let that shit happen. You yeah. know what I mean? So the fact that the class kinda had like a quick recovery and was like, Oh shit, clap <laughs> <laughs> it added some realism for me you know what i mean i thought <laughs> so, so. i thought, I thought no i agree um so yes they're on their train now yeah um does someone else want to go on from here they we can get... go ahead okay they get on the train and as they're getting on the train like a couple things happen that are like important so um they're like sad and far away there's like a on their way there there's a fire and they're like emergency vehicles driving by and they're like what's happening and then they get there and then there's like a giant crowd at the end of the train area that you can kind of see and they're all fighting and some commotions happening and um our main characters don't see it but like the train people see it and they're like what's happening and then the train guy gets distracted. The it's in charge of like checking people's tickets and stuff. Turns away, and this um, woman really quickly runs into the train and like is kind of limping, kind of thing. Runs into the train, and then the train starts moving. Um, after the train starts moving, the main thing that happens, he like gets up, talks on the phone. I don't know. Oh, he falls asleep. Little girl goes to try to go to the bathroom. She meets my favorite character, who. Um, I, I'm, I'm on this. I'm on this. Uh, Sangwa. Mm-hmm. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Sangwa. Um, and he tells her to like go to a different bathroom because it's gonna take a while because his pregnant wife is in that bathroom. He um, looks at this little girl and says, "Go piss somewhere else." <laughs> like, <laughs> like go piss somewhere else is like almost the exact phrase he says. Or like. There's two people pissing in there. Go piss elsewhere. <laughs> like it yeah. was kind of it was kind of abrupt at first. It was. It was kind of taking it back. But then they like have like some fun banter, and she moves on. And then it flashes to one of the people that works on the train, and she sees this woman like laying in the middle of this area, and she's like, looks like she's having a seizure, and so she's like taking care of her. And then she all of a sudden the woman like turns, and she has like these white eyes, and she bites the person. And then very quickly, 
lots of zombies appear. Um, I, I kind of want to stop here for a second and yeah. kind of discuss how much I love the zombie designs in this movie. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of traditional zombie gore where like people are missing arms and shit, but there's a lot of body horror in the way they contort themselves. And I think um, I had mentioned it in the movie and, and Kim had agreed with me that like Japanese horror and Korean horror in particular are really good at moving the human body in ways that are unnatural and disturbing. And uh, they really, they really show it off when that nice train, um, I don't know what to call them, train employee tra- train. Um, yeah, that's attendant uh, was what I thought of. A train attendant, yeah, is like sitting there as the person rises behind them and like cricks their neck in weird ways and moves their limbs in strange ways and everything. I I think it was really powerful, and the zombie designs in this are really good. And there's so many scenes where zombies are like foaming at a door. That it's like it's horrifying. It's a lot. Yes. What about you, Kim? Do you agree? I liked it. I think the creep factor for the zombie was probably like a nine out of ten. I want to say I really liked it. I think the advantage that runner zombies have is the fact that everything moves really quickly, and the adrenaline and the tension in the movie gets like escalated real quick. Um, because there is that those amazing shots of like when the zombies run at you, it's very like almost like a POV, like they're coming straight mm-hmm. to the screen, or they'll have angles where you can really see like up close to their face or you can see yeah. it's just like incredible purposeful shots that really make the dynamic of these runners 10 times more intense which you know from the beginning and how this movie kind of opened it's a really quick turn of events it goes from like we kind of missed a couple characters but we see most of the characters um that are going to be important throughout the rest of the movie fairly quickly in like a really quick montage. Like we see, we talked about um, the husband and his wife. We also noticed for the first time the baseball team um, and the cheerleader, I guess, girlfriend or girl that's flirting with the baseball team. And we also see the elderly sisters that, Mm -hmm. and you notice that these people stand out out of everyone else on the train. So it becomes people that you notice and don't really have to have further introduction Which I think, again, goes back to the purposefulness of how these shots are done. And then that slow buildup and then a quick turn of like, the zombie's up, she got on her legs and she ran. She wasted no time. She had business. (laughs) She knew what she was doing. So I think quick introduction of these characters and then bam, the action starts pretty, pretty abruptly. And they don't need to take these characters and tell you all their life stories Mm -hmm. individually before the zombies attack there are a lot of characters that are introduced seconds before the zombies come and you learn a lot about their characters during the attacks during the assaults as they plan their strategy around the zombies Mm -hmm. and i think it, it, it led to a lot of good pacing and they could have had this movie be the same content in a slightly different order where they really showed you all the characters before an outbreak and it would have been really irritating or like slow slower but the way the pacing works is they keep things moving while having you get attached to the characters at the same time the only group i think that could be pretty much cut without consequence would be the baseball players yeah but i like them so much that i'm i'm not gonna like complain about that but they have a relatively low impact on the story overall i think even the elderly sisters have more plot relevance than the baseball team but the 
but I still like the baseball team a whole lot. And I even said during the movie, I was like, man, that uh, last train to New York better have a goddamn baseball team in it. Yeah, I think all the character groups, the dynamics they put were very, again, purposeful. Like, I think the dynamic of relationships between sisters, between a husband and a wife, a father, a daughter, even between, like, peers of, like, high school students, and not just that, but on a team, how Mm -hmm. relatively the relationship between team members tends to be really close and tight-knit. I think it was purposeful to have these groups that show the interconnection of like group dynamics in different ways, different ages, and from different places. And I Mm -hmm. think that again is a really clever way of when we talk about the rest of this movie and we get more into, you know, what happens, how we talk about survival and not just survival for the self, but survival for the other. And I think having these little mini groups and these relationships really highlights the importance of that overall and the theme of like unity, kindness, anti-selfishness, you know, they're like a PSA, but they do in a really clever way. And I think it also makes that one asshole stand out even more because he's by himself until we find out later that, you know, he technically is going towards his mom, um, going to go visit his mom. But I think it it, was a really interesting and purposeful setup, which I really like. Absolutely. I agree. So very quickly, it becomes chaos on the train of people being bit and running and creating giant crowds. I, um, I do want to point out there is one guy and like he's a train employee in like a oh, blue yeah. suit, and when he gets bit, there's like this shot where they have like a gro- GoPro on a stick hanging from like his forehead essentially, and he's got like this one eyelid sh- like shut, and I see that zombie in particular on like a lot of promotional things for this movie and that shot where he's kind of like running at the camera that's like dangling from a rig on his head is so impactful like i i I need to shout out this one shot more than any other shot in the goddamn movie just because i thought it was so good there's also a homeless man that we forgot to mention a stowaway um again to the group dynamic you know you have a lonely asshole who's just a dick by himself and then you have a man who you know has where is he going? He has nowhere to go, but also everywhere to go. So I think that's also an interesting um, character. He's introduced to bring as in. like a stowaway that's like kind of aware of what's going on outside, mm-hmm. but is poor at communicating that. Yeah. I'm sorry, AJ. Continue. So, so on, so on, so on. Uh, so on. She had gone to the bathroom and he fell asleep, and so he wakes up and he notices that she's gone, and he also notices all the like commotion. And so he gets up to try to find her. And so he's like going through the bathrooms and stuff as this starts to happen behind him. And um, he passes the husband and wife as she's coming out of the bathroom. And then he then they're like running um, to get away from the zombies. And he gets into an area and they had like opened the door for him and his daughter. And then the husband and wife are running and he closes the door. And he, like, takes a second, and then they're, like, right there, and they're, like, open the fucking door. And so then they he he decides to open the door and let them in, and then they close it. Um, but there is this whole thing about him being, like, no, I'm not going to open the door for them. We need to think for ourselves kind of mentality. And then it kind of, like, gets overruled, basically, and he lets them in. Um, which is important for the enemies to lovers trope. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to see! <laughs> But yeah, so that's kind of, uh, and then um, they realize that the main character, he's like, 
let that door go because they're like holding it shut and they're trying to lock it and then he's like I don't think they can open it and you realize that they can't open the door they can't figure that out they can only like ram against it and then um the pregnant woman she figures out oh we can cover like she takes some water and some newspaper really quickly and like covers the glass and so they're not pushing against the glass anymore because they can't see them so we also find out that they have to be able to see who they're trying to attack to attack them they have no object permanence. No. And that's my favorite part of this movie, probably, is the, the interesting twist they brought to, like, the running zombies. Because typically the running zombies, you're just kind of fucked. Yeah. But I, I liked this a lot. And then there's another... I, I, I It's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but not by much. They find whenever they go through tunnels on the train, it's so dark that they can't. The zombies kind of lose focus. Yeah. And, um... The idea of vision. Although sound seems to be an element, too. Is that fair to say? I was going to say they also need to be able to, like, hear. It's almost like they're, like, they're blind and they focus on hearing more than anything else. But they're, like, also not blind. So, I don't know. What they're you somewhat think, blind. They're somewhat yeah. blind. You can see from the eyes how, like, the filminess of it. It's yeah. almost as if they're blind. But when we see that the, the when they go into the tunnel and there's darkness... Um, they're trying to listen. They move their heads like they're listening, and that's in that portion of that scene how they're able to distract them by making noise elsewhere. And even when they're hiding, it's not as if they can really, like, they don't really see and search. They just kind of stand there until, in a different scene, I won't say who, a character accidentally makes a noise, and that is when they hone in on that sound. So I would probably say they're kind of like, for the descent, how those creatures technically, like, they couldn't oh, really yeah. see too yeah. well, but they focus more on hearing. Um, a very similar sort of uh, anatomy with the whole eyes. Like, I had like... blocked the descent out of my fucking mind, and I just got swarmed with the memory of that movie. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just about to say the opposite, that, like, last week I was just sitting there like, fuck, the descent's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling somebody about it and about the fucking scene in the beginning where so yeah. the car crash. I was like... Holy shit, that fucked me up. That and shit haunts me too. Yeah. I think that person was like, why do you do this podcast? And I was like, I don't know. For the meme, LMAO. <laughs> All right, where were we? Um, I think it's somebody else's turn because I forgot what else happens. But they covered... Oh, I remember. But they covered the um window with newspaper was where I stopped. Do you want to go from here, Kim? Sure. I'm going to skip pretty quickly, though. Go ahead. So like, there's, there's a, there, a lot of this movie is people cowering in train cars deciding what they're going to do next as zombies claw at it. And it's entertaining the whole fucking way through, but it's not a whole lot of we need to discuss every minute of it. You yeah. Know? So at this point, they all get news reports on their phones that dictate that there is a rapidly spreading epidemic that is affecting all of the country, not just the train specifically. Um, and our main character, Seok Woo, discovers that his company that he kind of works for has some connections to what's going on. So he takes calls from, I believe it might be his assistant or his co-worker, and they let him know that there might be a safer passage for him and Suwon to take once they go to Daejeon Station, I think is what the station was. So the it's train stops the there. Hmm? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say? So the I said train... it was based off of the mustard. 
Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. So. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think I think I'm just dumb. So the train makes a stop there because that's where the South Korean army was said to have secured the location. Um, instead of going straight to Busan, it makes that little detour. And so the passengers disbark and per the orders of what they saw online and the conductor, they were going to go straight through to where the Korean army will be waiting for them. But Seok-woo knows from his colleague that if he goes through a different route, it'll take him through a different location in a safer way and get him to his colleagues and to safety. So as they're going through, um, Seok-woo takes his daughter and the daughter has some heated words with him, basically like, why are you a selfish dick? You only care about yourself. You're not telling that's anyone else. You're left. literally just doing this for you and me, for you. And that's why mom fucking left your ass. And he's like hurt by it. And he notices that the stowaway is the only one besides everyone else on the train that stopped to watch him. And he's smart. He's like, you stop to go a different way, bitch. I'm coming with you because I know that you know something. So they both kind of start taking a few steps to kind of see like, okay, how, where's the army? Where is this leading? Whatever. And it shifts to the rest of the passenger on the train who are going down this elevator and we see escalator. immediately, oh, escalator, sorry, escalator. <laughs> sorry, um, it's just really important. <laughs> if you're in an elevator, it's very different than an escalator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in an escalator and also there's stairs by the escalator. So the groups have kind of split up and they're all going down in the same direction. Um, and they notice is that the army has been <laughs> transformed. So now we have zombies that are also part of the army. So they're fit in shape. These bitches can run. So it becomes a whole massacre of people now suddenly realizing that the people that were there to save them were also turned. So it's chaos. People are trying to run up the escalator, jump over to the stairs. People are going to eat and left and right. Um, our homeboy, Mr. Sanghua, takes his wife, lifts her up, yeets her ass over to the stairs and jumps over and protects his wife and they run up the stairs. So everyone's trying to go back up. I think that um, was the most effective section for me. Them realizing that they need to go back up a down escalator as the zombies come at them was horrifying. Yeah. It, it was it was something else. It was it was big fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was, and there then, was a lot wrong with that. When we shift back to Seok Wu and Suwan and the um the stowaway. I don't want to call him a homeless man, I'll call him a stowaway. Um yeah, it's, I, like it's, it. I was struggling with that too. I'll probably go back and forth accidentally, but I'm going to try to keep it as a stowaway because I don't technically know if he's homeless, but anyway. Yeah. It's, it's um, kind of implied. But, yeah, yeah, kind of. So as they're walking down, they also notice an army man walking towards them, and this man, is he's beat up. He got beat the fuck up. He tried to fight these zombies, and he lost. And behind him, a bunch of other zombies docked in their Korean army uniform start coming out, and they like munch, munch on his ass. So they're like, oh, no. Seok-woo turns around, and I think this is a beautiful like slow-mo that they incorporate into the movie, where he sees his daughter standing by himself. And at this point, all the passengers that are running away are now behind her, also running back towards the train. In the midst of that, all those passengers, there are intermixed zombies, munching, munching, eating their final <laughs> meal like they've been starving. And he's trying to race back towards her. And then a couple zombies, I think it's like two zombies start walking towards the daughter. It looks like she about to RIP. Like, it's done. This girl has no depth perception. She is, she's not looking behind her. She's looking straight at her dad. And, of course, savior of the day, Sang Hua, comes in with the elbow punch. 
butts this zombie in the side of the head and saves little Suwon. And by then, Seo Kwu is able to grab a hold of her, carry her, and they kind of start running away, all three of them together, with the wife is also there. I mentioned that there's no, like, sharp weapons or guns or, like, real viscera, but you don't need them when you got fucking that guy's elbows and fists. He takes care of so many zombies just with his bare fucking hands like a legend. There's a scene where um, he literally has, like, four zombies that he's holding off by himself and everyone else has, like, one that they're struggling with. And I was like, that's fucking impressive, dude. And in my head, I'm like, oh, save the other people first. You know, like, he's fine. Like, yeah. He's got it. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, there's like a whole subsection of like, Songu gets stuck behind. Oh, sorry, not Songu. Seopu gets left behind and he makes it out. And it's a whole, you know, it's it's a lot of people. Essentially, they, uh, some of them make it out alive, not everyone. Um, and they kind of get separated for a bit. Most of the survivors get on the train. Um, the two sisters get separated, so we have the cheerleader, um, Jin Hee, and the sister and the conductor on one part of the train with everyone else, and then we and have- the villain. I'm sorry? And the guy that was, like, by himself that's, like, kind of the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he makes it on the train as well with one of the, uh, other conductors and other people that are there. And then we have, um, on the other side, the ones that kind of, like, dilly-dally a bit, we have Seok Woo- um, Sanghua, and I believe the baseball guy, one of the baseball team members, um, uh, Yongguk, I believe is his name. Yeah. End up yeah. in a cart together, and the pregnant lady and Juan and the other sister, one of the elderly sisters that got separated, end up also getting on part of a train, but they end up taking refuge in a restroom because they end up getting on the part where there's like a bunch and of zombies, and that's the, the only place where they can find. Yeah, stowaways with them as well. Um, to find the only it's the only place they can get safely and not get bitten. Really great scene, but I'm trying to pile through this real quick. So everyone, there's kind of three different locations. There's the main set where the passengers are at. The I believe it's cart 13, two cars away, um, where Suwon, the pregnant lady, the stowaway, and one of the elderly sisters are holed up in the bathroom. And then there's the very front of the train. Where our main characters, Seok Wu, Sang Hua, and um, Min Yong Guk are together, separated from everyone else. Um, they're communicating mostly through phones, so really quickly, Seok Wu realizes that his daughter calls him. She says that they're in a bathroom, she wants him to get him. Same time, Sang Hua's daughter, also, wife, also calls and is <laughs> like, You idiot, come fucking get me. We're in cart 13. I'm stuck. Come get me, bitch. I love her. So they start making a plan to, you know, try to get to cart 13 and then find the rest of the passengers. So they kind of go through what items they have available on the train. They use duct tape and some, like, thick leather because they happen to be by um, Yongook's, like, bag. And he's a baseball player, so they have a bunch of, like, things they can utilize. They basically tape up and secure the forearms and... uh. Yongguk gets a baseball bat. Seokwu gets, I think that's like a shield that yeah. um, Sanghua got from something that one of the Korean army zombies dropped that he used to kind of pile drive through. And, yeah, you know, like our man Sanghua just has that, though he has his fist. He needs nothing else. This man is like, I got these two of these hands and I'm going to throw these hands. So <laughs> the first cart rammed through, beating bitches left and right. It's an amazing scene. It's almost kind of unbelievable, but also 
there's zombies in it. So how much are we really going to buy into realism, right? <laughs> it is but, kind of it is kind of far fetched in the world they've set up. How how well they do. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. Like certainly the bare hands, and this is where I wish they would have had like a sharp object or something to some degree because it is a little cartoony in the way they beat them down. But it it's fun. It's very fun. Yeah, but also at the same time, like their their purpose wasn't to kill these zombies. It was to push through to mm-hmm. get to the cart they need to go. So they're honestly just pushing them. They're not even trying to beat them or kill them. They're like pushing them away to get to the other side. And so the way that it's kind of built is you have Sang Kwa in the front, Seok Wu in the middle, and then um, Yung Guk in the back with the baseball bat. And they're kind of tag teaming. It's working out pretty well. They get to the first cart, pretty successful. The second cart is where there's a bit of trouble because the rest of the baseball team, a few of um, Yung Guk's friends, have been turned. So as Sang Hwa and Seok Wu are kind of fighting these guys, Yongook is like frozen. He's like, these are my friends. I can't just, you yeah. know, fucking hit them. And it's at this moment when they go through a tunnel and they notice that when they're engulfed in the darkness, the zombies stop moving for a bit. They kind of seem a bit lost and disoriented. And they notice that they stop trying to attack them and stop trying to bite them. This is a part where Sang Hwa has like four zombies on him. This man is a bear. Yeah. He's a beast. And He's the best character in the movie. Hands yeah, honestly. Yeah. And this is when they're able to kind of wiggle out and use noise. Like, I believe it's um, Yongguk who taps on the thing. And they hear the noise and they all scramble towards the noise. But it's away from them. And now they realize, okay, they can't see us, but they can hear. So they use that distraction to kind of shuffle through. And by the time they're almost out, they're out of the tunnel and they race and close the door. And they're able to get through safely. But now they're kind of left in a situation where they're able they're able to find their um their loved ones mm-hmm. that they're able to get through. But then they still need to get to the front of the train where the rest of the survivors are. Exactly. And they're all reunited. They, yeah, they're all reunited. They're able to kind of get through. But the villain character, kind of like the solo businessman, makes the semi decent point of how the hell. Uh, well, the the girlfriend or love interest of the baseball player is up there safely and he calls her and is like hey we saved everyone we're on our way up and the solo businessman villain of the movie is like why the hell are we gonna just allow people to come up here we have no idea if they're infected this is pretty risky and he does make kind of a point but they kind of wind up in a situation where they get up to oh this is with the the can and everything huh um yeah so they're able to kind of push through for a bit and then there winds up being a situation where they're kind of stranded and they need to make a final run up to the train car where all the survivors are. A lot of them have made it up there, but it's our main character and the stowaway that are kind of stuck behind with the zombies kind of sniffing all around them without seeing them. They say they kind of have like a bit of a window where they count to three and they're going to run to the back and take care and, you know, run to safety but the stowaway steps on like a Shasta can <laughs> or a Fanta yeah. can like right as they get to the point where they're about to run and the zombies start really uh, they get aggravated and they're able to run to the next area but now they're holding off the zombies from getting into the cart right next to the safe cart um by like the skin of their teeth they're fighting back and they're just barely trying to close the door the zombies are trying to climb in is that, is that fair? Am I right there? Sorry, I am a little buzzed. No, that's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're good. You're on track. Um, so our, our main man, 
the zombie puncher himself is really holding back as the others are going up to the end of the track and going to the safe thing where all everyone is saying like let us in like dear god let us in but the businessman the main villain is he has convinced everybody to not let them in and despite the fact that they have plenty of opportunity to open the door and let them in before the zombies will come in they're fighting them and they're locking it and they've tied their shirts and ties to make sure that this door stays shut they're continuously knocking on it they're kind of losing grip on the door that our main man's trying to shut not i always say our main man as if he's a main character i mean the best character in the movie is trying to uh keep the door <laughs> shut and it's just it's getting more and more dramatic and eventually the baseball player just starts trying to bust through the glass door that's separating them um he's starting to succeed but as he's seeing results the zombies kind of slip through and bite um sorry i gotta it's, it's sangwa was that was his name yeah 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 uh, they bite sangwa and it's it's a horrifying moment where you realize the best character in this movie is gonna be infected um our main character goes back and starts beating the hell out of the zombies kind of when it's a little too late uh, trying to assist i think he was there briefly before he was bit but not yeah. by much and they're trying to shut the door finally the baseball player is making leeway the glass is starting to shatter on the other end and eventually um so just says hey leave me take care of my wife um i'm getting tired i'm gonna have to let this go you guys gotta go so they make a run for the door after it's shattered they're being yelled at by everybody that's currently inside of the safe area as they kind of go through and so was able to pick up a zombie kind of horizontally as if he's like a barricade yeah and push one zombie who's been put on his side against all the other zombies and he's just one dude carrying like pushing one zombie against a group giving them time to make it through and it was a plot point earlier when they were talking about his wife and her pregnancy that he hadn't decided on a name and they couldn't name. So his last thing he does as he looks at his wife as he leaves is, I, I, I feel terrible. I, I didn't write down the name. But yeah, I didn't write he, down he the name. Sa- he says a name and says, that's the name of our daughter. And, you know, it's a crying exit as she moves on into safety as he stays and is eventually consumed. After that, they reach the other side to a not very happy group of survivors. Almost. 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 There's the one of the sisters is still mm. standing there, and um, our main character, um, he tries to pull her in, and she just like shakes her head and is like, "Close your door." And so he closes the door, and um, she gets engulfed by the zombies. Yeah. So we lose one of the two elderly sisters. That's a great point. Uh, the thank you for bringing that up because that that is important later. <laughs> um. But the general public in large is not happy to see our survivors go through because they feel like they can't trust them. But luckily they decide not to throw them to the zombies, but to push them to the next cart in front of them. Like, you can't be here with us, but we're not going to go feed you to the, to the undead. Um, so they're able to go, they go through there. There's, it's kind of, it's kind of a really contentious scene where it seems like it's going to come to blows or there's going to be like significant violence. But it really is just them kind of moving to a different cart for safety. So they, they move up there and then the one of, I don't know how to differentiate the sisters, but one of the sisters sees the zombie sister out there in the back and she's kind of like reminiscing it. How would you guys describe her emotions in the moment? Real quick. I want to describe who's in the other cart. Go for it. So it's our main character and his daughter, the pregnant woman, 
um, and then the baseball player and his love interest, and then the mm-hmm. stowaway. That's all who's in the other cart. Yeah. And so they're like separated by a glass door again um, from everyone else. And then the elderly sister. Yeah, it's kind of like she's talking to her. She says like, um, of course this happened to you or something. Like, you're so selfless. Like, why uh, why would you do this kind of thing? Yeah. And she kind of starts shambling to the back door where her zombie sister's like beaten at the window. And I guess she's just not doing very well mentally at that point uh and she opens the door and lets the zombies in to not the compartment where our main survivors are they've been relegated to the to the compartment in front of them but that the one that contained the survivors that didn't want them in in the first place they get completely overrun and and it's just a massacre and it's very convenient for our leads yes and at this (laughs) point i said that i feel like the there's a moral to this story, and it's very obvious, which is that, like, because they pushed them out, then they died, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I do feel like there is some level of, like, her being like, screw all of you guys. You guys just are assholes. Like, I'm gonna fuck us all over. Um, And I wonder if it was, like, handled a little differently if she wouldn't have made that same choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she might have been in a different mental state had they not just had this really dramatic exile of these survivors that came through it might have gone a little differently would you agree kim Mm, yeah i mean it it is like a sort of a vengeance of and i guess you can say a sort of punishment for their selfishness i think i mean i don't know if i would say it's (laughs) deserved per se but i do think we as the audience kind of got a bit satisfaction from seeing the fact that how horrible they treated these how horribly they treated these people that they essentially isolated, um, that there is a bit of, like, satisfaction in seeing them die. Maybe not all of them, but, again, there are just people in the background. But these bitches were so fucking bold. I'm like, yeah, talk your shit now. You can't, because you're a zombie. They were just so mean. <laughs> They're yelling at a child and a pregnant lady. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I I don't really feel much sympathy for them, but I I do think that it is a sort of form of, I guess, like, justice in a way. In in a horrible way, but justice nonetheless. Um, yeah. And I mean, the only injustice is the fact that that asshole Yunsuk is still we find out alive, bastard. Hate him. Hate him. And that's the point. You're supposed to hate him. He's yeah, alive I mean, with the conductor. Yes. No, it's like an attendant because the conductor. Is oh, sorry. I keep calling him a conductor. I mean the attendant. I don't know why I keep promoting him. He's not a conductor. <laughs> He's an attendant. <laughs> You said it, and I th- and I knew exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, right on the same I, I I promoted yeah. him in my head because you know what he he tried his best, but he was not good he enough. He like almost choked out a teenage girl. Yeah, I mean yeah. again, that's the whole point of it, right? <laughs> like how crazy people get. Yeah, to save yeah. themselves. No, that so. is very much the point. For me, this is when the movie started reaching too long territory. Yeah, because it's like been an hour and like fifteen minutes at this point. And we still got another 45. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the train stops. So now we're kind of off the train at this point. They go to, I think it's like, um, so yes, they stop at the East Daegu train station, I believe. Um, and now they're seeking a new train. So like I said before, Yong Suk and the attendee managed to survive in the restroom. Um, and basically... He tricks the attendee into opening the door to take a peek and he pushes that bitch out and he's able to use that distraction to run out himself 
and hop off the train to find a different train to load. The rest of them, the remainder of the people, which is now Seok Wu, Suan, the pregnant lady, all those that were in the vestibule, are also trying to find another train aboard. Um, as they find one, they see a out-of-control train on fire heading towards them on the tracks next to the new train they found, and there's like a big explosion where that train flips on its side because it's so out of control, and it pushes the train they were about to board onto, on, onto them or towards them, and it's a huge big, big explosion where now the group is separated. We have um, Jungkook with Jin Hee, which is the baseball guy and his girlfriend, separated from everyone else who at this point we can we assume or they assume are dead. So they, believing that, jump on another train that they find trying to get through to find some sort of safety and to try to find a way to get to a train that can be moved or one where the conductor's at. And as Jungkook is trying to open one of the doors because it's like stuck. He's trying to break the window. Jin He is standing uh, a little bit behind him, kind of just watching him work. And from this shot, as we see Yonggu breaking the window or trying to break the window from behind, we see someone from an opposing train open the door and fall out. And then they kind of like crawl up and they jump onto the train and Oh no, it's the, what's his name? Stupid, uh, the douchebag, Yong Soup, <laughs> escaping, jumping on, grabbing Jin Hee, a high school teenage girl, and like tossing her. And as she's like, you know, grabbing her bearings, a fucking zombie comes up and bites this bitch in the leg. And <laughs> Yoon Gook is like, oh my God, my girl. And he like stops, try and like save her, pull the zombie off, try to like fight. Yung Sook, the douchebag, is like break, trying to hit the window. He breaks it. He's able to jump out and escape through that way. Um, Yung Gook is like holding the churning body of Jin Hee as she's like convulsing and, you know, churning. And he's at this point, this boy is exhausted. He, he's yeah. lost all his friends. He had to beat some of his friends up in zombie form. Like this was the only person that he really had left. And in his mind, everyone else is dead. So at this point, he thinks he's alone. And as he's, like, holding her, he's, like, saying that, you know, he's sorry and how could this happen or whatever. And then the zombified Jin he bites him in the neck and kills him. R.I.P. Yeah. to my favorite couple. One of my favorite <laughs> couples in this movie. There's also something about this movie that I enjoy quite a bit. That's There's not a lot of stoic action heroes in it. Everybody breaks down into tears at some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty sad, but, you know, powerful scene. He was just tired and he kind of gave up. And There's even a point way before this where he's he calls uh, Jin Hee when she's in the safe train and he's not and is like I'm sorry I'm the only one and he's mm-hmm. just sobbing on the phone yeah. apologizing for how he's the only one that survived and it's impactful it hurts yeah yeah it hurts and then from here we shift over to handsome man Seok Woo passed out <laughs> now we're like oh my god he's alive he's not dead and so they're they're trapped underneath like it's an it's an incredibly amazing shot where the train that fell on top of them is kind of balancing on top of another train that had fallen. So they're kind of stuck in this small little crevice of this teetering train where not only is it teetering to fall on top of them and crush them, but there were also zombies on the inside trying to break through and hitting the glass. So him, his daughter, the pregnant lady in the stowaway are kind of trying to find a way out. And Seok Wu finds a little exit he can like slide under 
And as he makes his way out and he turns around to help the rest, part of the train jostles and something falls and goes conveniently right on top of that exit. So he's on the outside trying to pull it out. But it's obviously really heavy because it's a fucking train. So he's trying his best to move it. And on the underside, we see the glass is starting to shatter. We see the train is starting to move. And it's a beautiful, incredible, tension-filled shot. And at the latter end, we see finally, not finally, but inevitably, the zombies break through one of the glass windows and they start piling out. And at this point, we're like, oh my god, they're dead. They're all fucking dead. This is it. Our main character is going to be like the final one to live. And the stowaway, you know, making his moralistic decision in that moment, runs up and starts kind of holding them back. With I believe he finds like a cable or like a pipe or something to hold them back. And he's doing his best, you know, San Juan impression to try and hold these guys back. <laughs> and in that moment, Siok Wu is able to move whatever was in the way. And he reaches out and he's like calling his daughter. And the little girl obviously is concerned for the stowaway because and throughout the movie, they've kind of had a, like almost like an indirect relationship where she feels really bad for the fact that no one really tries to help him and she feels bad for him. So she doesn't want to leave without him. But, yeah. you know, he kind of tells her to go. So she crawls under and there's like a moment where the pregnant lady and the stowaway are making eye contact. And, and in that moment, she's kind of thanking him and giving him a sort of gratitude in that stare. Yeah. And then she too crawls under. And unfortunately, our stowaway does not make it from here on out. R.I.P. So the three of them are now running. Um, this is the shot from the cover, I believe, of the movie where Seoku was carrying uh, Suwon. And they're like running. My girl, this pregnant lady, is like probably six, seven months pregnant. And she's hauling ass. She's absolutely running for her <laughs> life. And there is a bunch of zombies. Like, like at this moment, I'm like, damn, how many fucking people were on these trains? Because it's like a whole horde behind them, running towards them. Like, my God. And they find a train that's slowly moving. The conductor had, uh, from the original train, had jumped over to this train and was kind of waiting to see if survivors would jump on. But at some point, you know, he was starting to get the train moving, so he put it into motion. And so... I believe we see, oh, at this point, we kind of shift. Yonsuk, the douchebag, asshole, he sees him <laughs> running, and the conductor's like, oh my god, a survivor. And a bunch of zombies are behind him. So the conductor, being the nice man he is, jumps off, tries to go help him. And of course, what happens? Yonsuk, everything that he touches turns to fucking dust because the conductor gets killed. He, like, they trip, they roll, he basically, like, kind of pushes them, and the zombies kill the conductor. And, of course, Yonsu gets bitten, but is still able to run and jump onto the train to what he believes is safety. I don't know if he doesn't realize he's bitten or not, but he makes it on there and he hides in the little thingy. Again, we shift points. Seok Wu, the pregnant lady, and the daughter have made it onto that exact moving train. Um, he jumps on, but at this point, the zombies that are catching up behind them are able to also grip onto the back of the miniature version of the train. And they start kind of dogpiling on each other, creating this big, long, like, dragging horde of zombies that are just kind of piled onto themselves. And the combined weight is starting to kind of stop the momentum of the new train. So Seok Wu starts kicking at the wrists and the hands of the zombies that are holding on until finally he's there. they let go and they drive on and the train continues. Here we're like, oh yeah, they made it. Oh my god, cool. Love that. <laughs> he goes to the front. 
to go see what the conductor's doing, opens the door, and bam, Yong Suk, the asshole, is sitting there, zombified, confused <laughs> as fuck, stands up, is trying to, like, talk to them, and saying, like, oh my god, mister, I have to go see my mom, like, you need to take me to my home, he wants to give his address, like, at this he's point- He's got the slowest infection, definitely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's not really- I guess it's not fully taking him on. I, I purposely think, like, maybe it's, like, his spite is what's keeping him from turning yeah. at this point. He's like, running off of stubborn. hate. He's Literally. running off of hate. Yeah, Literally, I see he's that. so stubborn. He's not letting himself turn. He's fighting that turn because he's like, I want to be the final one that lives this. And so it's the first time we see him a bit more human because he kind of starts almost wanting to cry when he talks about his mom and that he needs to go see his mom in Busan. And we Sarah tried Poole, to humanize him, but I didn't think it worked. It's too late. We already fucking hate him. I'm like, yeah. fuck you and your mom. Would you agree, AJ? Or did you uh, feel something at the end there? I think I felt something. Yeah? <laughs> no, that's good. I want to hear that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's just like, oh, he wants to go see his mom, and he's so sad, and he's dying, and he's turning, and there's no hope for him, but he doesn't know that. And it's like, oh, poor guy. He did feed you know? a teenager nah. and a couple other people. Yes, like, no, he's zombies. a horrific human being. I agree with that. I just, I'm sad when anyone dies, I guess. <laughs> nah, he should have been, he should have been murdered in a brutal way on this show. I, 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 he should have had his head bitten off. His fucking, I kept, like you said, his dick bitten off. I said I wanted him to be eaten dick first. Yeah, yeah. The only regret in this movie, the only disappointment in this movie is he did not die more gruesome. But anyway, Seok Woo, at this point, lets him know, like, dude, you're a fucking zombie. <laughs> and he's like, oh my god, I am? And he's, like, looking at his hands, and he's like, oh my god, I'm a fucking zombie. And he kind of starts, like, wanting to cry. And it's, like, a moment of, like, silence where he, like, freezes when he's looking at his hands. And then I guess that realization that he's a zombie is what he kind of needed to, like, stop fighting it. And he, like, snaps up staring at Seokwu and they start fighting they start throwing hands and it's a whole tussle where you know they're they're fighting he's trying to throw him off Seokwu is trying to throw him off trying to get him away from his daughter because this this isn't like a full train it's just like the head of a train so it's just the part where like the conductor sits it's what yeah. pulls the rest of the cars so there's no way for you know the pregnant lady and Suwon to really hide there's no restroom there's nowhere else to run they're just on this outside platform so as they're fighting, Seok Wu at one point loses his grip on Yonsuk, and then Yonsuk hearing Suan's crying for her dad, he starts going after them. And at this point, the desperation, he like grabs him around the head. And as we know, we all kind of made that sound of like, bitch, not by his mouth, not by his yeah, face. Everyone it's a desperation like, oh, thing. Oh, oh, it's tough, yeah, tough, it's tough. like the only way he could grab him in that desperate moment that he puts his hand over his face and the other one's over his neck. And in that moment, once again, Yon Su getting the medal for the biggest asshole in this movie, yep. bites Seok Wu. And we're like, what the fuck? And they're like tussling, but... Him having been him gives Seok Wu like more of a grip because now his hand's like in his mouth. So he's able to kind of move him towards a small opening and he ties a chain around himself and kind of like throws with his body weight and his momentum both of them off and he's able to essentially finally throw this bitch off the train. And Seok Wu connected the chain doesn't fall off, but he's able to climb back on uh, mostly because he wants to make sure that 
you know, the woman and the girl and his daughter are able to kind of find some sort of safety. So he runs straight into the front room, the control room where the conductor sits, notices let's, that there's... Hmm? Let's torture AJ and make her ra- wrap up. Are you serious? <laughs> the ending here. You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing right, incre- incredible, Kim, but I think we're all, we'll all enjoy... <laughs> AJ going through the, the sad parts. <laughs> All right. So, um, he like picks up his daughter and carries her into the thing and sits her one place, and then he like brings the pregnant woman in and sits her in the other area and points to the brake and is like, "Hey, that's the brake. When you get somewhere safe, I need you to put on the brake." And she's like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then he runs over to his daughter. <laughs> And this is so fucking sad. This actress, the little girl is so fucking good. Um, mm-hmm. And she's just like bawling her eyes out. She has been for the last like hour, to be fair. But she's still bawling her eyes out. And she, he's like, he tells her like, I don't even know what he says to her. Busan is safe. Think, oh, yeah. Busan is safe. You'll be okay. Like, just stay with her. Stay, yeah, stay with the pregnant lady. And um, he... The daughter's just, like, pulling on his arm and is, like, holding him tight. And is like, don't let me go, daddy, don't let me go. And is, like, crying. And he starts crying. And he starts breaking. And he has to, like, pull her hand off of him. And it's just, like, incredibly fucking sad. And then he walks out. He, like, closes the door and walks out to the end of the train. And then he starts to turn. And it shows the a memory of when she was born. And him, like, looking at, like... <sighs> her little feet and like holding her <laughs> hand for the first time and holding her for the first time and he gets like this little smile on his face of like peace for a second and then it turns to a shadow and it watches him fall off the train that's really fucking sad okay because you spend it's this brutal. whole movie watching this like and you're thinking <laughs> i said it at one point i was like i don't want to get this attached to these people like i know they're gonna turn into fucking zombies this is so disappointing because i'm gonna love them and you do and it's just so painful and then it turns to like a wide shot and it shows the um train going down the track and it gets to a point where the train can't go any further and it's like a tunnel and so the pregnant lady and the daughter get off the train they walk down the tunnel we're like okay is this what's safe because it's dark in the tunnel like is that the safety um there's like one last jump scare where like there's like dead zombies on the floor and one of them like moves and you're like (gasps) and then it's fine um (laughs) and then it flashes to like military people and they have like a gun and they see them walking and um they call on their thing being like hey we have like a woman and a child coming towards us and then they're like the call is like, can you tell if they're infected? And then it's like, can't tell on visual. And then they're like, okay, kill them. And so you're like, fuck, they're going to kill them now. Like we're literally going to watch them get shot. Like that's really what the end of this movie is going to be. And then you hear her singing the song. She also, we skipped over this, but she also told her dad that she only forgot the words because she figured out she sang the song for him and wanted him to be there. And when she saw he yeah. wasn't there, she couldn't remember the words. So she's singing the fucking song that she was supposed to sing in the recital super loud and um, just like crying and walking with the pregnant lady. And 
they hear her singing the song and they're like, oh shit, she's okay. Um, they're not infected. And then they call that like, we have survivors. And then the military people come grab them. Yeah, and it just ends pretty rapidly. Just ends, yeah. I I fully at that point was expecting them to be gunned down. I was like, this movie doesn't give a shit. It <laughs> doesn't down. give a shit. Yeah, I really thought they, which I think is honestly good on the movie because I don't think I've ever gotten to that point in a movie where I would have thought like, no, the main survivors aren't going to survive. Like you're most yeah. like, oh, this person's going to survive, and they really made me think, oh no, they will shoot these women. <laughs> Like yeah, this little girl and this woman in a second, and like I don't know if that's gonna happen. No, I I fully expected it. I was like, well, this is happening. Um, did you think that came when you first saw it? Um, kind of. I mean, I didn't know if they were gonna go full on like the mist, where it's like <laughs> they're survivors and oh, then oh, oh. band they die, and the military's like, oh shit, yeah. there were people. Um, I think I did have that moment of like, oh my god, if they die now, it's gonna be kind of lame if they just get shot because that's so fucked up. Also, it's fucked up yeah. to see a pregnant lady get shot, shot. and a fucking and a child girl get shot. So yeah. I was like, I mean, I don't think they would show it, but just the concept of it, I don't, I don't, I was like, I don't think yeah. they would do that. But if they did end it with like a, just the sound Far of a gunshot and, the sound, and yeah. that's how it ended, I think that would have been like, I don't even know, maybe more disappointing, I guess. Because I, I think at this point, I wanted their sacrifices to mean something. I, I said this whole fucking movie and if everyone fucking died, I would have been kind of pissed. <laughs> if my man died in this Rogue movie, One, something like. good is coming from this. So I think I wouldn't have liked it as much if they had died. I think I would have been a little more sad and disappointed. Yeah. But I think that's also like, you know, the whole point of the theme is like they survive because of people's sacrifices. And I think that says a lot. But yeah, that, that ending was pretty open-ended but also i think it was the right point to just be like that's it i was hoping they wouldn't go into more detail i was like please be the end please tell me they're safe at at this point at this point you're pretty done like i really liked this movie but it's certainly a little too long yeah i was hoping they wouldn't do like 28 days later kind of vibe where it's like oh here's the military but they're bad and thankfully they didn't so i'm glad it kind of ended on that note of like somewhat assured safety Kim's just ruining movies left and right. She ruined The Mist. She's ruining these 28 Days Later. Oh, you, oh. Don't, know shit. you, don't, you don't know shit about The Mist. <laughs> the Mist was traumatizing. You don't know shit about The Mist. It was so traumatizing. Yeah, I literally remember watching it like, what the fuck? I, I'm never going to watch it. Every once in a while, I think about The Mist, and I'm just like, oh, God, I got to forget about The Mist. <laughs> Yeah, I just it's, start thinking about the mist, and I'm like, "Ooh, let's that off It's the ending scene that like really gets yeah. people. Not even yeah. like the whole concept that was pretty okay was kind of weird, but yeah, the fucking ending solidified it in like yeah. iconicness. Let's save it so we can torture AJ in the future. <laughs> Oh, Although God. I don't know, I don't think I'll ever be like, "Hey, it would be fun. Let's put on the mist." <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm ever gonna reach that point. In all honesty, yeah. I don't know. Don't test me. Maybe I'll feel in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is on my TikTok. In... Silly, goofy mood. Yeah, Kim would mist it up. Yeah. Just for the All time. Right. Final thoughts. Yeah. Final thoughts. Do you want to go first, AJ? Let's get let's get your wrap up. Yeah. I am sad. Um. No, this was a really good movie. <laughs> Great final um, thoughts. <laughs> I, I, I am sad. <laughs> it's my final thought most days. Just kidding. I'm actually doing well. But um, yeah. 
No, I. it's a good movie. It was really emotional, which I feel like I don't, like, I've definitely gotten from horror, but it's not something that I get, like, every time from horror, mm-hmm. so it's not something I expect. And um, so I think that was definitely there. I really cared about, like, all the storylines and all the characters, and I was sad when I saw them die. And that's, like, a big deal. Um, because if you don't care about the characters and you're just like, oh, look, people dying. And so I think it was like, it was impactful. It was well done. It was creative. I really liked it. Yeah, I was I was really pleasantly surprised at just how much I liked it. I, um, I was scared when I saw the two hours, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, a zombie movie and a two hour runtime doesn't really go great together. But it's really fast paced. It's really good. And it's it's gut wrenching. Um, there's yeah. not a whole lot of funness to it, which is a statistic I care about very much, but it wasn't torture porn either. It was, um, heartbreaking to see like well-made characters kick the bucket, but in a way that was gratifying, you know, like it, it, it felt worthwhile overall as a watch, which I've seen zombie movies I really enjoy, but I haven't been like, wow, what a great experience at the end. I'll be like, that was some shit, huh? <laughs> um, there was a point in my life where I was absolutely obsessed with zombie movies, and I wish this was out at that point because I deserved better. <laughs> was that when Warm Bodies came out? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I love how none of us name? have had... None of us have anything to say about warm bodies. Kim's, uh, AJ says warm bodies, and Kim and I just go like, hey. <laughs> that's all we have to say. Yeah, um, no. No, it, it's it's certainly within my top five zombie movies for sure, and maybe pushing top three, in all honesty. Because mm-hmm. when I think of my top five, like Shaun of the Dead's in there, and that, that, that probably shouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but Shaun of the Dead's one of the best zombie movies ever made. Fight me. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's honestly, it's really incredible. I would have loved for it to be a little more fun. Uh, just, a, just a smidge, I think there was room for it. I don't think, I didn't want it to be, you know, a comedy, but I think they could have added a bit more, a couple more. Well, I think what it was was the one character we all love so much, Sang-Hwa, he with his punching, you know, he's elbowing zombies and punching them, and it was like this really goofy element in the middle of it that gave it, like, lightheartedness, and... It's not complete. It's kind of goofy, but it's not like crazy either. You know, (laughs) it's kind of meets this middle ground. And I think if we would have seen some zombie heads get split in two or something a little over the top gore wise, and I know it's probably due to censorship or whatever, it would have made it like an all time favorite for me if it just had like a little bit more of enjoyable elements because it is depressing (laughs) over time, but it's not depressing to an unenjoyable level it's a really respectful level where i think it's it's just quality overall obviously i like this movie because i'm the one that suggested it so it is it is definitely like probably really high on my list of well zombie movies is it's kind of hard to rank them because i literally watch almost anything that's zombie related because it's so even the ones that have no plot and i don't give a shit about the characters and i'm just here to watch people get eaten those tend to also be ones that I favor, but also... I love those, 10 out of 10. Yeah, it's, it's a quick, <laughs> enjoyable, adrenaline-fueled sort of watch. And I think this one, I think the first thing I said after I finished watching it for the first time was like, damn, there's just too many people in here. I don't care. I don't want to care. <laughs> but I think that's what makes it a movie that I recommend. 
because movies that are so simplistic and just here for the gore doesn't really appeal to many people, unless you're me. But this one, I think having those extra elements of character dynamic and thematic undertones, I think makes this movie heightened and it makes it much more, not just consumable because it's not that gory, but also something to really grasp a message of at the end. So I think that also gives it extra brownie points. And I, I do enjoy it. I typically don't like movies that focus too much on characters. I, I, to me, it gets boring and it gets old really quick. But I think this movie has the perfect mix of character dynamic and action that it never really gets boring. You feel the time go by, but it doesn't necessarily drag on in any sense. So I think that's what makes it entertaining. And that's what made me finish the movie and willing to watch it a second time. And I will watch it again in the future. Um, I think K-horror and J-horror, like we said, are always at the forefront of horror, of the genre itself. And if it's not at the forefront, then it's definitely revolutionizing it in terms of composition and storytelling. And I think this movie does a really good job of depicting that. I think when you look at like Ringu, Jun On, Shudder, like original Korean and Japanese horror that's able to implement storytelling and visual dynamics of horror that really makes it effective. You get character dynamicness as well as visual distortions and really creepy, you know, off-putting visualizations that make it work so well in tandem that these movies then become iconic. And yes, they get remade to American versions. I know people know The Ring more than Ringu, but comparatively, Ringu is a blueprint. And K-drama and J-horror, K-drama. I keep thinking about K-drama because I've been watching one. K-horror <laughs> and J-horror <laughs> uh, tend to be the blueprint, and this is why. They set the foundation for really good horror movies that are not just a jump scare or just something creepy. There is an essence to it that is very rich and I think that's just a testament to how well they make their movies. So, again, this movie has really good dynamics. I mean, we can t- there's, like, articles and articles about, like, studying each of these characters and, like, what they represent and what they mean. I think having such a fine array of characters but never having to overdevelop them to a point that they get sort of boring is very clever and really hard to do. I think when you have Sanghwa and Yongsuk, which are two different ends of the empathetic spectrum, and you have our main character, Seokwu, kind of try to find a balance within that. In the beginning, he was leaning more towards being just the same of an asshole as Yongsuk was. And towards the end, he becomes more of a sacrificial, empathetic person like Sanghwa. I think seeing that kind of development throughout a movie without having to really spell it out for us is a testament to how easy the pacing of this movie was. I think um, the social commentary isn't really super heavy in this movie, in my opinion, which I kind of like. I don't mm-hmm. think I need to th- know that capitalism is bad and we should be kind <laughs> to people over and over and I, over again. I agree. But I do think, you know, in, it kind of separates itself from other zombie shows and movies. I think when we watch things like The Walking Dead and 28 Days Later, it's always like the enemy is the undead, but it's also strangers. It's also other humans. You're fighting off zombies, but you're also fighting off mistrustful people. And that tends to become the duality of these movies that we've come to kind of be accustomed to. But this movie is kind of different where, you know, paranoia and mistrust is sort of the other rabid disease that's going on in this movie. But the message is at the end of the day, 
we survive by other sacrifices. We're able to survive or help those that we want to survive by being empathetic and putting them first instead of ourselves. And I think having that as a theme that maybe was a bit overdone to some people, personally, I don't think so. I think it really undertones and underlines a lot of what the movie was trying to really say without having to, you know, spell it out. It was an action thing versus a speech thing. It wasn't about dialogue. It wasn't, let's have a monologue for like 10 minutes about why we have to be nice to people and not be selfish. It's through actions itself and through characters. And I think having that speak for the theme instead of having it be like a 10 hour dialogue about this shit makes it so much more impactful. I think this had amazing scenes. The, when they were trapped under the leaning train, the tunnel scenes, all that was really well done. I don't think there was a lot of CGI, but a lot of the graphics are really good. The acting was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. My my favorite, Gong Yu, showing up, putting a wonderful performance. Love him. Love him. If you watch this, Gong Yu, I love you. Um, <laughs> but the acting all around was really well done, as was the shots, the direction, the lighting. Um, incredible, incredible. With a pretty low budget, I think this movie is definitely did the best that it could and surpassed that. So this is definitely a movie that I really do recommend to most people and I will watch over and over again. Probably not as often as other movies because it is really long and really heavy. But yeah, definitely top of my list, at least top 10, top 15. Probably one of my favorite movies, period. Because I really did like it. Oh, wow. It. All right. Yeah. That's, that's Maybe more like credit. top 20. But I, I enjoyed it. And I think... It's sinking quick. Yeah, I'm thinking quick, but also, also, I I appreciate you know I, when I say foreign movies, I mean foreign to the U.S. I appreciate foreign movies because I think they do a lot more than American-made movies. Like I can say that I like Saw. Well, actually, it's a bad example. I think Saw is really put a lot of effort into their movies. I can say that I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, for example. I don't, but let's just say that for right now. I think this movie and a lot of, you know, foreign movies tend to be underlooked because they're not, you know, American-based or don't make it to the American mainstream. So I tend to give it a bit more credit for how well they do and how, like, you know, undertoned they get. But this movie, I think it has it has everything. It has an, an amazing leading man, amazing actors, pretty decent amount of, like, gore and zombies. Love that. 10 out of 10. I like it. Love it. It's good shit. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for this one, Kim. I really, I really got a good one to add to my repertoire today. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. It's very good. It's movie. a, it's a big one. I was hoping AJ would cry, but I'm pretty disappointed she didn't. Um, I, I honestly I... had a moment where I thought about crying, but I damn didn't. it. So <laughs> I thought close. I would have teared up if I wasn't quite as drunk. I was like, <laughs> I was like, thank God I'm a little fucked for this because I'd probably be tearing up. <laughs> My goal was to make AJ cry. I was kind of disappointed when she didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Damn. I don't really cry during movies, though. Okay, then we'll go back to the original plan. Scaring the fuck out of you. Got it. Got it. <sighs> Got it. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> On that I guess note. we'll call it there. Thanks for watching. Um... Next what? week we're gonna watch oh, Agent Cody Banks. <gasps> I this love is... that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, and I think it's scary as shit. And I think that the world <laughs> needs to be reminded of what good horror is. So I agree. We're gonna tackle that. 
Um, but until then, I've been Aaron. I've been AJ. I'm Kim. And listen, I'm really sorry I didn't say I love you last episode. Uh, I was going through a lot. I was really disappointed by Halloween Kills. Um, and it was it was a crushing blow to me. And I acted out. I didn't say I love you. And I, I'll, I'll think about it for the rest of my days. And I'm really sorry. So uh, I love you. And uh, bye.